Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nostalgic Mystery Radio. I'm your host, Stevie Kay, and it's my honor to bring you the radio shows of yesteryear. For this episode, I bring you Agatha Christie's Hercule Poirot, episode titled The Mystery of the Blue Train, where Poirot investigates the brutal murder of American heiress and theft of a fabulous ruby on the blue train from Calais to Nice. This will be a four-part series, so sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy this Nostalgic Mystery Radio. Thank you for listening. the most extraordinary meeting with that scoundrel who calls himself the Comte de la Roche. What's it you're doing? I haven't the least idea what you are talking about. He says that you have irrefutable proof that I committed the murder. <laughs> oh, it is too absurd. I will tell you exactly what happened. The other day, the day when you refused to have lunch with me, I was mad with rage. I wanted to be revenged on you. And so I went to the Comte de la Roche and told him to go to the police and say so-and-so. But have no fear, Derek. I did not completely lose my head. The proof rests with me alone. The police can do nothing without my word. But now you have come back to me, and we can forget all about it. You have come back to me, have you not? I shall never come back to you. Oh, I was right. There is another woman. The one with whom you lunched the other day. You might as well know the truth, Mirelle. I intend to ask her to marry me. <laughs> is that prim little English mouse? Do you think I will put up with that? The police want evidence. And I have it. What do you mean? I saw you coming out of the compartment of Madame, your wife. Just before the train got into Lyon that night. And I know more than that. I know that when you came out of her compartment, she was dead. And so, Mademoiselle Grey, we are the good friends who have no secrets from each other. (laughs) Of course we are friends. (laughs) Tell me what you think of Major Knighton. I like him very much. He's quite delightful. Oh. What is the matter? Oh, you reply so heartily. If you had said, oh, quite nice, I would have been better pleased. And yet, who knows, perhaps your heartiness is a way of concealing what you really feel. I don't Uh, see... Let me ask you another question. Do you like Derek Kettering? I hardly know him. Now, that is not an answer. I think it is. Mm, Perhaps you are right, mademoiselle. I've seen much of the world, and I know that there are two things which are true. A good man may be ruined by his love for a bad woman, but the other way holds good also. A bad man may equally be ruined by his love for a good woman. You are trying to warn me. Against whom? I cannot look into your heart, mademoiselle. I do not think you would let me if I could. (laughs) I would just say this. This man of whom I speak... The emotion he feels is genuine enough, but all the same... Yes? You could perhaps love a thief, mademoiselle, but not a murderer. (laughs) Now, here comes Monsieur Kettering. Think over what I have said. May I sit down? Of course. I want to talk to you, and who knows when I may have another opportunity. 
there's an idea going about that I murdered my wife. But... No, please don't interrupt. I don't deny that I married her for her money. I don't deny that I treated her abominably, but I swear to you solemnly that I did not kill my wife. I know I lied the other day. It was my wife's compartment I went into. I knew I wasn't mistaken. You see, I was more or less spying on her. Mirelle had told me that she was meeting De La Roche in Paris and taking the rubies with her. Well, as far as I had seen, this, this was not so. I felt ashamed, and I thought suddenly that it would be a good thing to have it out with her once and for all, so I pushed open the door and went in. Yes. Ruth was lying on the bunk, asleep. Her face was turned away from me. She looked so peaceful lying there... What was the point of waking her to say what I'd said a hundred times before? So I left the compartment as quickly as I could. But why lie about it to the police? Because I'm not a complete fool. I know that they suspect me. If I once admitted that I'd been in her compartment just before she'd been murdered, well, that would be the finish. Ah, I see. You know, from the moment I saw you... I knew you were the only woman for me. I was afraid of you. <laughs> I thought you might bring me bad luck. Oh, Catherine, <laughs> you know that I care for you. Do you... Do you care for me? I don't know. Derek. Yes? Hello there. Oh, damn. Here comes that idiot, Knighton. Well, I won't keep you. Oh. I'm sure you have a lot to talk about. Oh, Miss Gray. How nice to to see you. Uh, do you mind if I sit beside you? Please do, Major Knighton. Oh, thank you. I've, I've been longing for a chance to talk to you alone. Mr Van Alden may leave any day now, and I may not have the chance again. Look, I... I know you can't care for me so soon. That, that's impossible. I dare say it's presumption on my part. But I, I have private means. Not very much, but... <laughs> but, Major Knighton, I can't... No, no, please. Don't answer now. I know what your answer would be. But in case I had to go away suddenly, I, I just wanted you to know... that I care. Forgive me. Go goodbye, Catherine. Oh. There is something I've got to tell you. Something you must know. You must listen. Ruth Kettering. Oh. What is it? What is it you have to say to me? Catherine! Uh, is there something the matter? Uh, oh. Catherine, are you all right? Uh, oh, yes, I'm quite all right. Oh, I suddenly felt a little dizzy. But there's nothing wrong. Monsieur Poirot? Hmm? 
Ah, Major Knighton. I wonder if you could spare me a few minutes of your time. I am at your disposal. The matter is rather delicate. Hmm? I have no desire to be disloyal to my employer. You may have perfect confidence in my discretion, Major Knighton. Very well, I will tell you. You have doubtless heard of Mirel, the dancer. Uh, cher ami Derricketteri. Just huh? so. You can imagine that Mr. Van Alden is not exactly well disposed toward her. This morning she came to the hotel and sent up a card saying that it was vital she should see Mr. Van Alden at once. You interest me. Mr. Van Alden told me in no uncertain terms to send her away. But that was most foolish of So I took it upon myself to have a word with the lady privately. Eh bien? I told her that Mr. Van Alden was too busy to see her, but that she might make any communication she wished to me. Mm. That, however, she could not bring herself to do. But I am convinced that she knows something. Oh, this is serious. You know where she's staying? At the Westminster. Good. We will go there immediately. Speak. I have kept silent too long. I have held my hand on what? To be insulted by that, that monster. He thinks he can throw me off like an old glove, but he is mistaken. I will smash him like that. <laughs> Bravo, magnifique, what temperament. I am an artist. You are indeed. I told Derek to beware, but he would not listen. Is it true that he intends to marry that that English girl? He certainly seems to be seeing a lot of her. He murdered his wife. That is what I have to tell you. He told me beforehand that he meant to do it. The police will need proof of that, mademoiselle. I saw him come out of her compartment that night on the train. When? Just before the train reached Lyon. Oh, this is a serious matter. We must waste no time. Are you prepared to swear that before the juge d'instruction? Yes, monsieur. I am. This is an extraordinary story, mademoiselle. You wish us to believe that Monsieur Kettering actually boasted of the crime to you beforehand? He was desperate for money. He said her death would have to appear to be an accident. You are aware that you are making yourself an accessory before the fact. Oh, but I did not take him seriously. Not for a moment. I know men, monsieur. They say many wild things. Uh, yes. Uh, when did it first occur to you that Monsieur Kettering had murdered his wife? When I saw him coming out of her compartment. There was a look on his face. Haunted and horrible. I shall never forget it. Afterwards, when I found that Madame Kettering was dead when the train left Lyon, then I knew for certain. But you did not go to the police? You would not expect me to betray my lover. And now? Now he has betrayed me. Uh, quite so. If you would be so good as to cast your eye over this statement, mademoiselle. I will sign it. You require me no longer, monsieur? At present, no. And Derek will be arrested? At once. Ah, good. There is one little matter, mademoiselle. Yes? What makes you think that Madame Kettering was dead when the train left Lyon? But of course she was dead. Was she? I have been told so. Everybody says so. I was not aware it had been mentioned outside this office. Somebody told me. I don't remember who. And the jewels. Can you tell me anything about those? The jewels? What jewels? The rubies of Catherine the Great. The heart of fire. I know nothing of any jewels. I want only that Derek Kettering should be brought to justice for killing his wife. Thank you.
tell me, what do you know about a man called the Marquis? The Marquis? Mm. He works behind the scenes and lets others do the dirty work for him. He does not come from the criminal classes. A Frenchman? Uh, we believe so, mm. but we are not sure. He has worked in France, England and America. By all accounts, he is a grand seigneur, speaking French and English with equal perfection. What do you know of him? Oh, at the moment, very little, but I have sent the cable to Scotland Yard, and there may be news waiting for me at my hotel. But, but if the Marquis is involved, surely it upsets all our ideas? It does not upset mine. On the contrary, I think it agrees with them very well. Now, I think I must go and have a word with this Grey. If I have news of any importance, I will let you know at once. Catherine's still dressing, I'm afraid, Monsieur Poirot. Ah. Can I give her a message, or would you rather wait till she comes down? No, I do not think it is necessary that I should wait to see Mademoiselle Catherine. I think perhaps it is better that I should not. What's happened? Perhaps you could tell her that Derek Kettering was arrested tonight for the murder of his wife. You want me to tell Catherine that? If you please, Mademoiselle. Do you believe he did it? The police say so. And you? He was seen by two people going into and leaving his wife's compartment just before the train got into Lille. But does anyone know exactly when she died? We know this much, that a few moments after the train left Lyon, Madame Kettering was dead. How do you know that? Someone else went into her compartment and found her dead. You think someone on the train must have killed her? That need not be so at all. What is to stop anyone swinging themselves onto the train when it stopped at Lyon? Hmm? They could go straight to the compartment, strangle her, take the rubies and drop off the train without anyone being the wiser. She may actually have been killed while the train was in Lyon station. Then she would have been alive when Derek went in and dead when the other person found her. Oh, what you have said is very just, very true. I was struggling in the darkness and you have thrown me a light. It may be that this very night I shall learn something more. At least, I am going to try. You're meeting someone. Well, yeah, I, I am like a squirrel, mademoiselle. I have stored away the little fact here, the little fact there. I go now to my store and I take out one particular nut that I stole away, let me see, 17 years ago. <laughs> Au revoir, mademoiselle. Have I helped? Oh, yes, mademoiselle, you have helped. If things get very dark, always remember that. Rien ne va plus. It would be well if I stopped now. Ah, you are the daughter of your father, Mademoiselle Zia. To know when to stop, that is the art. <laughs> Thank you for a wonderful evening, Monsieur Poirot. But it is time he went home. Where is my father? Well, just at the moment, he seems to be engaged in a very interesting conversation which I would not wish to disturb, but which I wish I could overhear. Do you know the lady who was with him? Who is she? She's very striking. You do not know? That is Mirelle, the famous dancer. 
But while your father is so preoccupied, I must talk to you. I will fetch your cloak for you, and we will go out into the gardens. This is where the suicides take place. So it is said. Men are foolish, are they not, mademoiselle? L'amour causes many fatalities, is it not? <laughs> oh, you should not laugh at love, mademoiselle. You who are young and beautiful. Oh, hardly that. You forget I am 33, Monsieur Poirot. As you told my father, it is 17 years since you aided us in Paris that time. It was a curious affair, that, altogether. Your father never knew the details, I think, and I never told him. I don't understand what you are talking about. Oh, do you not, mademoiselle? Have you forgotten Antonio Barezio? <laughs> An assistant can lift his eyes to his master's daughter, can he not, if he is young and handsome with a glib tongue? But since they cannot make love all the time, they may occasionally talk things that interest them both, such as that very interesting item of jewellery that was temporarily in your father's possession. Perhaps he was even shown where it was kept. And afterwards, when it was gone, then there comes along that excellent fellow, Hercule Poirot. <laughs> the priceless heirlooms are restored, and there are no awkward questions. You have known all this time. Who told you? Well, no one told me, I guessed. It was a good guess, was it not, mademoiselle? You want something from me, is that it? I want your help, mademoiselle. What is it you want to know? I want to know more about the Marquis. Very well. I will tell you what I know. Mm. You were quite right when you guessed that we were in Nice because of the rubies. Yeah. They have been handed over here according to plan. And have you seen the Marquis, mademoiselle? Once, but not very well. It was through a keyhole. <laughs> that, that always presents difficulties. But all the same, you saw him. Now, would you know him again? He wore a mask. Ah, young or old? He had white hair, but I do not think he was old. Mm. It may have been a wig. His walk was young, and so was his voice. Oh, this is most interesting. But it is not that that I meant to tell you. It was one other little fact that I thought might be, well, of interest to you. Yes? The rubies, as I say, were handed over to my father here at Nice. I did not see the person who handed them over, but... Yes? I know one thing. It was a woman. Catherine, I... What on earth's the matter? You look so pale. I've had a letter from a friend of mine in St. Mary Mead. An old lady called Miss Viner. I used to go round and talk to her nearly every day. She's just been told she has cancer. She may have a year, perhaps a little longer. And you're going to go back? I don't know. <laughs> but you have news for me. <laughs> Everyone seems to be leaving. Monsieur Poirot phoned to say that Mr. Van Alden and Major Knighton are going back. Ah. Are you really going to desert us too? I have had my little adventure. Now I just want to go back to a life that is ordinary and uneventful where I can just be of use to people and listen to their troubles. There's nothing more for me here. Cher Mademoiselle Catherine... I trust that you are in good health 
and that the return to the English winter has not proved too depressing. I am prosecuting my inquiries with the utmost diligence. Do not think that I am taking a holiday here at the Ritz. <laughs> Very shortly I shall be in England. Perhaps you can come up to London and we can have lunch together at the Savoy, which is where your adventure started. You remember that we are colleagues in this affair. <laughs> be assured, mademoiselle, of my most respectful and devoted sentiments. Hercule Faro. You have changed, mademoiselle. Oh, in what way? Mm, well, these nuances are hard to express. But I didn't mean you have crow's feet around the eyes. <laughs> I am older. <laughs> yes, yes, you are older. <laughs> and when I first saw you, mademoiselle, you were a looker-on at life. And now? And now you no longer look on. You have the wary look of a fighter who is playing a difficult game. <laughs> have you seen anything of our Riviera friends since you've been back, mademoiselle? I have seen something of Major Knighton. Hmm? He's been down to St. Mary Mead a couple of times. Oh, is that so? And Monsieur Van Alden remains in London? Yes, he is here at the Savoy. Ah, I must call in on him. You have news for him? What makes you think that? Hmm? I wondered, what were you doing in Paris? I went there to make a call at the Russian embassy. Oh. <laughs> I see that tells you nothing. I, I have a friend who once described me as a human oyster. <laughs> <laughs> now, as you know, I am not satisfied with the facts against Derek Kettering. Mm -hmm. The facts led straight to him, but there is one thing which has been left out of the account. And what is that? The disfigured face of the victim. I've asked myself a hundred times, was Derek Kettering the kind of man who would deal those smashing blows after having committed the murder? Mm. What end would it serve? But, but uh, to return to your question, I went to the Russian embassy to see a particular personage who I suspect of being the active party in the sale of the jewels to Monsieur Van Alden. I threatened him. With the police? No, no, not with the police, but with the press. A much more deadly weapon. <laughs> and in the end, I get the whole story out of him, and I learn of where the jewels were handed over, and I learn, too, of the man who paced up and down in the street outside, a man with a venerable head of white hair, who walks with the light step of a young man, the man I believe to be the Marquis... And now you have come to London to see Mr. Van Alden. Well, not entirely for the reason. I had other work to do. I went to see a theatrical agent. <laughs> Are you thinking of going on the stage, Monsieur Poirot? No, the world lost a great actor when Hercule Poirot joined the police. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I wanted information about a male impersonator named Kitty Kidd. Ah, huh? oh, but I am being an oyster again. I, I will tell you one thing. There has been a doubt all along in my mind as to whether the robbery and the murder were done by the same person. And now? And now I know. Mm, I am not clever like you, Monsieur Poirot. Mm. Half the things you've been telling me don't seem to point anywhere at all. 
The idea that came to me came from such an entirely different angle. Ah, but that is always so. A mirror tells the truth, but everyone stands in a different place for looking into the mirror. Then tell me, does this help at all? Hmm? It's a newspaper cutting about a jewel robbery at Lady Tamplin's villa years ago. I found it at Miss Viner's. Oh, yes, it does help. As I told you, Mademoiselle, one stands at a different angle, but it is always the same things which are reflected there. It mustn't be much longer, Monsieur Poirot. Hmm? I can't go on much longer. Courage, mademoiselle. You must not fail now. The end is very near. I didn't expect to see you again so soon, Monsieur Poirot. Mm. I don't mind telling you, I've had just about as much as I can stand. The newspapers have been going at it hammer and tongs ever since my son-in-law's arrest. You must not be alarmed at what I am about to say. Supposing, Monsieur de Van Alden, that after all, Daddy Kettering did not murder his wife. I... Are you mad? No, I am not mad. I am eccentric, perhaps, but not where my profession is concerned. But uh, I thought the case was closed. Uh, there is an off chance, Major Knighton, that it might be the Comte de la Roche, after all. Ah. Mm. At least I have succeeded in upsetting his alibi. How did you manage that? <laughs> his servants were known to me. They had not always behaved exactly in accordance with the law. I managed to bully them into telling me the truth. The Comte did not return to his villa until the day after the murder. Oh. He could perfectly well have been on the train. But the rubies, the rubies he had in his possession were fake. And clearly he would not have committed the murder except for the rubies. But you are overlooking one point. Where the rubies are concerned, someone might have been there before him. Who could... Possibly. Well, the thing is not proved, but the facts are worth investigating. You must come out with me to the south of France to investigate the case on the spot. You are very busy at present, Mr. Van Alden. Oh, I guess this business comes first. All right, Mr. Poirot, let's waste no time. We'll go tomorrow. Uh, what train? We will go, I think, by the blue train. If you ask me, Knighton, Poirot's lost his grip. This whole trip has been one mad charade. <laughs> all that business of acting out the whole affair at the Gare de Lyon with Poirot playing all the parts. First Catherine, then Ruth, then the maid, then the man in the compartment. <laughs> it was very tedious, but then Poirot likes to show off. Yeah, yeah, and then he drags us off the train to the ticket barrier. What was that in aid of? I can't imagine. He seems to have taken leave of his senses. He must have known we'd left our tickets on the train with the conductor and wouldn't be able to get through. It was just as well the train was late leaving or we'd never have got back on it. Sir, I think we should return on the first possible train. This is a wild goose chase. Yes, and why the hell do we have to sit up all night in my compartment? Well, it, it just beats me. Why won't he let the conductor make up the beds? Yes? Ah, uh, twelve. <laughs> I, I think that I had best check that your compartment door is bolted, Major Knight. It's very good of you, Poirot, but I told you I knew I had bolted it. <laughs> yes, 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 yes I, I know, I, I go fussy in my old age. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's a damnably uncomfortable journey. I suppose you know what you're playing. I know exactly what I am playing at, Major Knight. <laughs>
We are drawing into Lyon, Monsieur Van Alden. And it must have been about this time that my poor Ruth was killed. Uh. If your theory is correct, Poirot, it was here that the man left the train? No. No man left the train, but I rather think a woman may have done so. What? A woman? Yes, yes, a woman. You may not remember, Monsieur Van Alden, but Miss Gray mentioned that a youth in a cap and overcoat descended to the platform ostensibly to stretch his legs. I think that youth was probably a woman. But who was she? Her name, or the name under which she was known for many years, is Kitty Kidd. But you, Monsieur Van Alden, you were by another name, that of Ada Mason. <laughs> what are you talking about, Father? I think you know very well. Ah, before I forget it, permit me to offer you a cigarette, Major Knighton, out of your own cigarette case. I beg your pardon. <laughs> it was careless of you to drop it when you boarded the train on the route round Paris. Or oh, you do not wish a cigarette? You're mad. I simply don't have to listen to this rubbish. The door into the next compartment is open and you are being covered from there. I unbolted the door into the corridor and our friends, the police, have installed themselves there. Mon Dieu! As I expect you know, the French police want you rather urgently, Major Knight, nor should I say, Monsieur Le Marquis... Frankly, I'm a puzzled man, Monsieur Poirot. Hmm? Relieved, but puzzled. When did you first begin to suspect the maid? Ah, uh, not for some time, but one peculiar little point drew my attention to her. She told us the cigarette case was one which Madame Kettering had recently given to her husband. Hmm. But she had been with her mistress for only two months, and Madame Kettering would certainly have been in no mood to give her husband a present at that time. <clears throat> I thought that was suspicious. But she could have had nothing to do with the crime since she had been left behind in Paris. And Madame Kettering had been seen alive since then. But then, <laughs> I say to myself, how do we know that Ada Mason was left behind in Paris? Knighton? Yeah? He said he saw her in the Ritz on the day after the train left Paris. Exactly. And then it struck me that he, too, had been in your service for two months. <laughs> A curious coincidence. And his name began with a K. Could it have been his cigarette case? If Ada Mason and he were working together, would she not act precisely as she had done and use it to incriminate Derek Kettering? <laughs> yeah. But what I don't understand is, who was the man in Ruth's compartment in Paris? Derek Kettering or the Comte de la Roche? Oh, that is the simplicity of the whole thing. There was no man. Whose word do we have for it that ever was a man there? Ada Mason's. And we believe her story because of Knighton's evidence that she was left behind in Paris. But Ruth herself told the conductor that she had left her maid behind her. Uh, no, no, your daughter was dead before the train arrived at the Gare de Lyon. It was Ada Mason, dressed in her mistress' very distinctive clothing, who purchased the dinner basket and made that statement to the conductor. Impossible. No, 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 not at all. But... There was a very real danger that when the conductor came to discover the body, he might realize that it was not the woman he had talked to the night before. And that was the reason for the disfigured face of your daughter. But who killed Ruth, then? And, and, and when? Ah, well, bear in mind that it was planned by Knighton and Ada Mason working together. 
Knighton was in Paris that day on your business. He boarded the train somewhere on the route round Paris. Madame Kettering would be surprised, but quite unsuspicious. Perhaps he draws her attention to something out of the window and slips the cord round her neck. The whole thing is over in a second or two. Knighton drops off the train, taking the jewel case containing the rubies with him. And there, the Garde de Lyon, Ada Mason, does her performance. They didn't leave anything to chance, did they? <laughs> Go on. Well, before getting to Lyon, Ada Mason arranged her mistress' body in the bank and herself changed into man's clothing and prepared to leave the train. When Daddy Kettering entered his wife's compartment, he thought she was sleeping peacefully. Now, as soon as the train reached Lyon, Ada Mason got off and took the first train back to Paris and the Ritz Hotel. Knighton brought the jewels back with him to Nice when he came down with you, and Mason handed them over to the Greek. <laughs> Altogether a neatly planned coup. And Richard Knighton is, in fact, the well-known criminal, Le Marquis. <laughs> One of his chief assets was his plausible, ingratiating manner. He was well-born, well-connected in honourable service in the war and seemed altogether above suspicion. But there was one thing that puzzled me. Knighton has a decided limp. Now, the Marquis decided he did not limp. That was a stumbling block. But Lennox Templing mentioned one day that according to the surgeon who treated Knighton in her mother's war hospital, he should not have had a limp. And that suggested camouflage. Mm. And then Miss Gray gave me a cutting, showing that there had been a jewel robbery at Lady Templing's hospital at the time that Knighton had been there. <laughs> she realised that she was on the same tack as myself when I wrote to her from the Ritz in Paris. Well, what did you find at the Ritz? <laughs> the day the Mason arrived there on the morning after the crime and not the evening of the day before. Good God. Well, I guess you know what this means to me, Monsieur Poirot. I'll be sending you around a check in the morning. Oh. But uh, no check in the world will express what I feel about what you've done for me. You are the goods, Monsieur Poirot. Every time, you are the goods. Oh, I am only Hercule Poirot. Yes, as you say, in my own way, I am a big man. Even as you are also a big man. I'm glad and happy to have been of service to you. Now, I go to repair the damages caused by travel. <laughs> Alas, my excellent valet, Georges, is not with me. <laughs> Bonjour, Monsieur Papopoulos. <laughs> Monsieur Poirot, <laughs> I thought you had left me, Oh, business compelled me to return, my dear Monsieur Papopoulos. Business? Yes, business. And, uh, <clears throat> talking of business, uh, you have not completely ruined the Greek ex-minister, I hope. I? <laughs> I understand you sold him a very wonderful ruby, which, strictly entrepreneur, is being worn by Mademoiselle Mirel, the dancer. Uh, yes, that is so. Mm, a ruby not unlike the fabulous... Heart of fire. It has its points of resemblance, certainly. <laughs> you have a wonderful hand with jewels, Monsieur Papopoulos. I congratulate you. And would it be indiscreet if one asked what your business was? No, not at all, not at all. I have just succeeded in laying the Marquis by the heels. Uh, the Marquis? Mm. 
Now, why does that sound familiar to me? No, I cannot recall it. No, you would not, I'm sure. <laughs> He's just been arrested for the murder of the English lady, Madame Kettering. And what has happened to Derek? He was released yesterday. Where is he now? He left Nice last night. For St. Mary Mead, where Catherine's staying. Yes, for St. Mary Mead. Oh, I was a fool. I thought she really cared for Knighton. I ought to have known better. I thought that if she had fallen for Knighton, then Derek... Courage, mademoiselle. Oh, well, it would not have done. But I did help, Monsieur Poirot. Hmm? At any rate, I did help. Oh, yes, mademoiselle. It was you who gave me the first inkling of the truth when you said the person who committed the crime need not have been on the train at all. Before that, I, I could not see how the thing could have been done. I'm glad. Mm. At any rate, that's something. Oh, that's the damned blue train. Yes. Life is like a train, mademoiselle. It goes on, and it is a good thing that this is so. Why? Because the train gets to its journey's end at last. There is a proverb about that in your language, yes? Journey's end in lover's meeting. And that's not going to be true for me. Oh, trust the train, mademoiselle, for it is le bon Dieu who drives it. Trust the train, mademoiselle, and trust Hercule Poirot. <laughs> he knows. That was The Mystery of the Blue Train by Agatha Christie, with Maurice Denham as Hercule Poirot, Janet Moore as Catherine Gray, and Robert Beatty as Rufus Van Aldin. Mystery Radio presentation. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to like and rate this podcast on your favorite app. Also, there's a Nostalgic Mystery Radio YouTube page for your perusal to subscribe to. You can contact me by emailing me at nostalgicmysteryradio at gmail.com. I hope you have a blessed day or evening. And again, thank you for listening. <laughs>